Open the laptop to type. I put my name into Skype. Some blog we're going to hype. And now they're on the pod. We're talking football and things happening in wrestling rings. But you just ask which one sings. You're listening to the pod. Don't tell your parents. Vandenberg killed the Barons. Is it time to fire Ferrens? Ask the scout.com at baby. You're listening to a sonic bomb blast of stats and dick jokes. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Totally amateurish. Not even broadcast. Sometimes in Spanish. Black Heart Gold Podcast. You hear the ice cubes in our rocks glass. We don't even edit. Black Heart Gold Podcast. There aren't that many words that rhyme with podcast. Let's start the interview. Black Heart Gold Podcast. So I've been going through this REM phase lately. <laughs> Are you back in the late 90s again or what? I am back in the late 90s again. Like, <laughs> so the other day, I was I was listening to, um, I, it goes without saying, I was a weird kid. When I was like, my first album was Criss Cross. Nice. My first CD was Criss Cross, which I then traded for Pearl Jam. But my, my second and third albums were REM albums because I was a weird kid. <laughs> Like I was a 13-year-old listening to everybody hurts going, this is just wonderful. That's pretty awesome, actually, when you think about it. <laughs> I know. I really was quite cool. Yeah. I would have totally wanted to hang out with me. Yeah, right. Um, but, like, I'm also, like, kind of an obsessive collector, so I would keep buying their new albums, you know, later, even though I didn't, like, really pay that much attention to them. And so I bought New Adventures for Hi-Fi when I was, like, 15. And I think I might have listened to it once and threw it, like, thrown it in a corner and never listened to it again. And I pulled it back out, like, last week, and it's fucking awesome. Is it? It's a great album. I'm, so now I can't stop listening to it. That's awesome. I actually haven't listened to it ever, I don't think. I mean... Yeah. It's one that no one ever really knows existed. There were no singles on it. Um, and, and I wouldn't have known about it except for the fact that I bought it and then went back to listening to The Offspring or something like that. Yeah, nice. yeah right. Yeah, I can, uh-huh. I can honestly have never, I've never ever listened to that album, ever. Oh, now's your time. There you go. I remember, what's going on? My, my father-in-law, we were out drinking one time, and he said, yeah, I remember sitting back there and having some beers back in the 90s and thinking, R.E.M. is going to be the next greatest band of all time. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. It didn't quite get that didn't far. It didn't make it that far, but... Whatever. I was told. I was just told my girlfriend. Like I remember, and this is one of those weird things. You remember when you were a kid? But I remember having a a conversation with my dad and one of my dad's best friends as to what the best REM album was in like 1993. And I was like, I'm 12, and I'm having this adult conversation <laughs> about a very band. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Black Heart Gold Pod, Black Heart Gold Podcast episode 94, starting off with an REM <laughs> discussion. Um. <laughs> Joined by uh, former VHGP or current basketball correspondent for Hawkeye Nation, uh, Justin Van Leer, a.k.a. Storm and Spank. What's going on, bud? It's, it's uh, International Stout Day, so we're imbibing with stouts today. You see. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I'm having my favorite stout, Bell's Too Hard to Nail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Not a stout at all, but it'll fill in in a... You could, um, you could throw some uh, coffee beans in there or something to make it into one almost, I bet. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it has a certain bite to yeah. it. 
I'm sure I can, I can scrounge up some coffee around here somewhere. <laughs> Boulders in there. Yeah, that's, that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, we are on the eve, the precipice of basketball season, thank God. We're about to go off the basketball cliff. No politics, I know, but uh, <laughs> um, tomorrow night Iowa opens up actual official like basketball play against the always dangerous Texas Pan American Broncos, Bronx. Excuse me, they're just the Bronx. Um, yeah, Justin, you've been covering them for a while now, although not all the way back to the Steve Alford era. When was the last time there was this much buzz around Iowa basketball? I uh, you got to go back to the last season of when Brunner and Horner, <clears throat> uh, when you know Iowa got that three seed in the tournament. I think there hasn't been anything like this around the Hawkeye fan base at all. Uh, it might be a little bit with the fact that Iowa football is down right now, but uh, even before the football season started, you kind of got towards the end of last year, and they had that little NIT spurt where they got that one win, and then they had a play in Oregon, which was kind of a fun game to watch. And I think ever since then, people you know saw that, and they saw the recruiting class coming in, and they started to get excited. So, yeah, I'd say it's been at least uh, since that since that year, since it's been that. It's been seven years since that, too. Isn't that amazing? That's a long time ago. Seven years. The, the second to last year of Alford's tenure, have we even had anything remotely this exciting for Hawkeye basketball? So I, I had to finish one credit um, to get out of law school, and so I took a, a one-credit class during spring break that year. Our final started at noon. Or no, it, it, I'm sorry, at 2 o'clock. And that, uh, that game against uh, Northwestern State... <sighs> Was it like noon? Yeah. Yep. It was like noon or one or somewhere around there. It was that shot went in, and then I had to walk the three blocks down to the law school and take a final. And it was just like it was it was uh, it was like a Corbin McCarthy novel. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on record like there's uh, there's the two times that I just naturally devastated about games. It was back there was a game back when I was. I think 12 years old, uh, Ohio State football game back as a kid that just destroyed me. But that 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 game absolutely just tore me apart. That Northwestern State game, just the way it happened and just all the chances that Iowa shot themselves in the foot and to have it end that way was just just brutal. Just it was it's the potential that was there for that team to make a run. That's just that was that was tough to that was tough to swallow to watch. So the 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 great quote today was Roy Marble basically saying, "I'm going to be the best player on the court every night." Um, which is which is really really incredible for a guy who was good last year, but not like transcendently good. Is the buzz around him more than the actual substance is from what you've heard, or are we really going to look for him to become one of the Big Ten's best players? Um, he's he's definitely going to be the best player on Iowa's team this year. Um, whether he's going to be that that good overall in the Big Ten yet has yet to be seen. You know, you hear all those rumors. You know, people have started them with. He said, she said that, you know, Dev wants to go to the NBA after the season and all that all that stuff. I don't think he's NBA material right now. He's got quite a long ways to go. He needs to go. Such a hater. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which is funny because I know you're joking, but back – I mentioned this before, but in, in interviews before, but when he came in as a freshman, I said right off the bat that he would be the, the best player out of that class. And 
I got took so much hell because of that, and everybody's talking how good Basabi was, and you're an idiot, you don't know anything you're talking. I said, listen, Basabi might have a better career in the first couple of years, but when it's all said and done, Marble will be the best person in his class. And hey, it's already happened. I mean, his sophomore year, he was already the best sophomore on the court for Iowa. But as far as compared to the Big Ten, I don't know. He's got a long ways to go as far as defense. Um, he needs to bulk up a little bit too. So um, we'll see. His jumper's gotten a lot better. A smooth jumper. He can hit the outside shot now, and um, we'll see. That was my next question is, had he really, I mean, is it a mid-range game or is he really shooting from way outside now? Or what's the progression been? Yeah, I mean, he, he he's always been able to hit the three-pointer, just now with consistency. Now I think he's he's getting a little better at that. But but more than that, he's got a nice he's got a nice crossover and step back jump from about 15 to 18 feet. And that's gonna be fun to watch because he is so long. You know, he's you know six six, and if he's gonna play that two guard spot, he's gonna be taller than. You know, taller, a couple, couple inches taller than the guys that are guarding him. So if he gets that fadeaway jumper and that turnaround jumper going from the baseline and from the elbow extended, it's going to be tough to guard. It just depends on, you know, if, if he starts missing some shots and Iowa starts, you know, can't rebound the ball if Ola Shaney or those guys down low aren't getting any, any, any rebounds, then it's going to get, you know, might get a little tough for him to get going. But when he gets going, you see, he, he doesn't have the best form, but he, he somehow makes that ball go in the hoop, which, you know. That's kind of how you got with him. He's more of a scorer than a shooter. That's all you can ask. Um, speaking of scorers, the other big uh, the, the, the big buzz on this team has to be rhymes with Strongsville, Dunk Le Orange, Aaron White. <laughs> um, so I'm listening to McCaffrey talk to Andy Katz the other day, and McCaffrey makes it sound like he's got the same game he had last year, only he's developed a 15-foot jumper, which makes him basically a red-headed Dirk Nevis. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I was going to come out with that one, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I heard that and I went, "That's dirt." Yeah, right? right. Exactly. I think he's already kind of like a like a big kind of flashing white guy, but then you throw in the the jumper, and suddenly he's he really is very dirt like. He's a he's a leaner Larry Bird, right? That's what I'm hearing too. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I don't. I think I think he got a lot of praise because he came kind of out of nowhere. You know, nobody recruited him out of Strongsville. Nobody. Gave him a lot of chance, you know. They, they they knew he was a decent ball player, but no, he wasn't a blue chipper by any stretch of imagination. So I think he kind of took the people by storm, being able a guy that a six eight player that could you know dribble the ball, could cross people over, and and still shoot the three pointer and stuff. But you know, he's another guy that like Marble needs to defend, or else I was not going to go as far as they need to either. But yeah, he's his game's picked up as well. So. Now, as, as opposed to what happened last year with Vasabi, you saw him recess a little bit. I don't think you'll see that with White this year. I think White White's game is more prone to seeing a little more success on the court this year than last year. Thanks for stealing my next question. I appreciate that. I, I stole your Dirk Nowitzki reference. You stole the next question in line. Um, <laughs> so, so we know that White and Marvel are going to be kind of the, the centerpieces for this. I'm assuming Gasell is going to be the the point guard from what everybody says. It sounds like he's great. Yep. Um, Woodbury, I'm presumably a starter at center from day one, just because there isn't a whole lot other uh, any real competition there. Although Olashen, he's been apparently improving. Who takes that fifth spot? Is it Eric May? It's going to be McCabe. Yeah, I think I think you'll see Zach slide in at the four spot, and you'll move White to the three, which at a three spot and six eight guy is going to be a a, a matchup nightmare for for the defense. Yep. However, he you know he's not quick enough. I shouldn't say not. He's gonna have a little difficulty if he's guarding an athletic wing from the opposition. You know, if he gets into a, a three man that you know is a six 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 five guy that can slash. 
then you might see some issues on that side of the court. But, yeah, I think you see McCabe play the four, and then you've got, you know, like you said, Woodbrate the five, and Gasell uh, playing the um, the one spot. So, What should we expect from Gasell? Uh, game manager. I, You know, he's a smart kid, not only in the classroom, you know, as a 4-0 student, but he's also – uh, super smart on the court. He he sees the floor really well. He he's not going to make a lot of dumb mistakes that freshmen typically freshmen typically do coming to the collegiate level. So I think that's something that's going to be fun to watch. And you know if he has to come out and score 15 points, 16 points in a game, he can do that. Otherwise, there might be a game where he he puts up four points that has eight assists. Um, it, it, I don't think I, people need to temper their enthusiasm with him and Woodbury though. Um, I, I think it's going to they're going to take a little bit to go. I, I think. Mike is a little more game ready and more college ready than Adam is right now, but uh, he, he'll be—he's a fun, a fun player to watch as well. He can get to the hole and he can—he can explode. He's a much better leaper than people give him credit for too. I mean, he's only right there about six foot, but he can—he can get to the hole and he can put it down if he needs to. Now Woodbury, I, I'm assuming it's going to be rebounding in defense in year one and wait for the the post game to kind of develop as you typically expect from a big man am i wrong in that or does he actually have a uh, a post game in place coming in he's a he's a he's got a decent back to the basket game right now um a little left uh left uh jump hook um but other than that you know he's a really good passer out of the post which iowa with the way that their offense runs and and moves is excellent to have because then they go high-low on stuff and have him set screens and, and roll off of that. He rolls off screens really well. He sets screens pretty well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you're right, though. It's going to be a rebounding and defense, defense for the most part from him um, until he's, you know, he works hard uh, in practice and in games, but he's just he's, he might get pushed around a little bit here in the, in the Big Ten for a little bit. So he's just got to take what he can get and not uh, try to do too much – more than he can or what he's physically able to do right now until he kind of bulks up a little bit and figures out. Otherwise, he's going to be on the bench with foul trouble if he tries to get too aggressive, I think. How The 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 presumption from what, what McCaffrey's saying is he's going to run a 10-man rotation. How on earth do you possibly get that many guys into a 40-minute game? I mean, well, we watched Tom Davis do it for many years. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> certainly possible. And, uh, yeah, they're just going to be running. You know, I think – it's not going to be something where you're splitting the minutes at 15 minutes a piece, obviously. But you know, you get you'll get somebody like Anthony Clemens that'll that'll spell um, Gazelle for like you know eight to eight to 15 minutes a game, maybe, and, and Mike's going to play 30 minutes or something along those lines. You'll see Eric may come in and play you know 15, 25 minutes. If Basabi Basabi's uh, is already admitted, uh, Fran had said that he'll be the sixth man for Iowa this year, so he'll come off the bench first and probably take McCabe's spot. So depending on how Foul prone McCabe. Yes, exactly. Game. Just how fast it is that McCabe makes up to. Yeah, exactly. Then you'll see Basabi come in. But you know, whoever's playing well is going to play. They're going to play that night, which is we haven't seen. Just it goes back to the 2016. We haven't seen a team uh, this deep since that team. Uh, I'm not saying they're anywhere close to that the talent level at all. Don't get me wrong, but we haven't seen a, a team like this at Iowa as far as that can go 10 deep in, that, in such a long time. It's going to be nice to have that option. What's what's Eric May's role on this team as the the only senior as a guy that I think even even McCaffrey saying is probably going to be a, a leadership source but probably isn't going to crack into the top five. Yeah, I think May will be your seventh man from from what I would I would see happening. Occasionally, maybe he might get the starting role depending not depending on if they want to go you know, a little smaller, maybe you know push White down to the four man and have have May play the, the three spot. But you know what he kind of got a bad vibe the last two years. I don't think people quite realize just how injured he was. He had a lot of back problems and leg problems and stuff like that. So 
Um, wasn't able to quite get the potential that he had, you know, you had seen him in his freshman year. Um, I think he'll get back to that fresh, his freshman ways as far as the, the athletic plays he'll make, leaping, blocking shots, making steals, dunking a ball, occasionally hitting a, you know, a baseline jumper or a three-pointer. But, yeah, he's going to be an energy guy. And he's going to be a guy that's going to get on the break and, and put some huge dunks down to get the crowd excited. So, well, you gotta you gotta blame the guy for you know playing hurt and then not allowing us to go. Oh, he's hurt instead of just <laughs> immediately thinking that he's regressed. Right. Yeah. 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 You can blame him for wanting to compete. Yeah. Uh, so. Obviously, I, there's been some discussion. Pat Ingram wasn't on campus during the summer. Um, and Kyle Myers always, I think, been seen as probably a little bit more of a project than the other guys that are on the team. Are we looking at red shirts for those two, or are there going to be other other? Are they actually, are they going to actually factor this year? You'll have one red shirt. Um, I don't think uh, Fran has come on set it yet, but I don't think Pat will. I don't think Pat will red shirt. I don't think. I think with the guard play right now, they're going to need him. Um, just at the one and two. I know you've got uh, Oglesby and, and Marble the two, but you kind of need five guards uh, in the Big Ten. And um, if they went and and sat him and, and redshirted him, they might they might need to pull him out at some point in time for some some minutes. I think they do uh, redshirt Kyle Meyer. I think he's the guy, the candidate. I mean, right now at that at that four spot, it's pretty clogged up, and he could definitely use a little uh, refining in that area. So now you mentioned Oglesby. This is not a team – I mean, I don't know a ton about Gastel's jump shot. I haven't heard a ton that makes me think that he's going to be a real bomber from the outside. Marble, I know you said, has been improved, but he's been very streaky in the past. This isn't a team that has a ton of outside shooting on it, which is kind of how McCaffrey ran Siena, too. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what, Where are they going to put Oglesby in? Is he going to be just you know the kind of the gunner off the bench, or do they really plan on using him for – for extended time. He'll be the guy, yeah, he'll get 15 to 20 minutes a game, and all he's going to do is sit behind the arc and, and wait till somebody finds him open to try to hit to knock down that three ball. But, uh, yeah, Mike is a really good shooter. He's, he's got a really good jump shot from the point guard spot. So he's he's got a, a smooth shot. And Clemens, too, is kind of underrated shooter as well. I know people talk about uh, his defense, but he's he's really good shooter as well. He's, he can hit that outside shot as well. But I think, yeah, like you said it, Josh is going to be the guy that comes in and is going to just knock on the free ball. I mean, he's not going to turn the ball over. Right? He had one of the lowest turnover rates in all of the Big Ten last year just because he doesn't, you know, doesn't dribble much, first of all. But secondly, he doesn't make stupid plays. He just kind of hangs around the offensive side and, and, and chucks up threes. And you need to have a player like that on a team to, to make uh, the defense uh, respect you a little bit from the outside. Opens up the bigs down low. So Now, Iowa starts, as we said, Friday night against Texas Pan American. Um they then follow that up on Monday with a, a huge revenge game against Central Michigan. I expect them to full court press the entire way, <laughs> <laughs> just just to spite them, bastards. Um, but look, the non conference schedule is is weak to say the least. I mean, <laughs> I know that that the theory behind it is get some wins, get some momentum, but. We is, it, is this what we're going to really start expecting from McCaffrey down the line? Is this going to be like the uh, the basketball version of Bill Snyder, or is this a, a short term? This is absolutely short term. Uh, maybe it won't happen as quick as <clears throat> excuse me as next year, but uh, within two years, you're going to see some. Okay, maybe you're not going to see the high major the high major squads and the upper level of the high majors, but you're going to see 
high mid-majors and the middle-of-the-road high-major conference teams that they'll start scheduling. It'll happen. Uh, yeah, this, like you said, this 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 year's uh, non-conference schedule is, is brutal, and I don't mean hard. I mean, it's just absolutely <laughs> horrific. Well, well, Texas Pan American, Central Michigan, Howard, Gardner-Webb, Western Kentucky, Virginia Tech, um, which, by the way, I love Stan Greenberg on that podcast, just wanting Iowa to destroy Virginia Tech just because yeah. <laughs> They fired him. Yeah. Um, and that's funny, too, because I think, I, yeah, yeah, Seth knows uh, Fran pretty well, too, so it's kind of funny how those guys kind of hit it off on that uh, little podcast yeah. they had, too. So Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, South Dakota, um, and then uh, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, South Carolina State, and Coppin State. That is not a murderer's row by any means. Um, is there a loss in there? I mean, I'm assuming Iowa State's probably the, the most likely culprit, but... Of all of, of Iowa's non-conference, you've really got two or, or three games that could derail Iowa. You've got you've got Iowa State. The good news for the Hawkeyes is inside Carver Hawkeye, and, and they usually typically do pretty well against Iowa State in, in, at home. The other one is you and I uh, down in Des Moines. I think that game has a potential loss on it. You uh, and I is they, they haven't they haven't been this deep in quite a long time too, and they've got a really stellar front court uh, with Seth Tuttle and. Um, a bust, need a bust. So those guys, are, I think, uh, will do pretty well. So, um, and the other one, I think, it's probably that championship game of the Cancun Classic, depending on. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to beat Western Kentucky. If they don't, there's bigger issues. But then <laughs> it just depends if DePaul, who, who wins in that DePaul and Wichita State game. Uh, I think if it's DePaul, I think Iowa wins the championship. If it's Wichita State, a little tougher. Um, but uh, they're they're going to they're going to compete for the Missouri Valley too with you and I. I think those two teams, with, along with Creighton, those three are all uh, top top tier there. But yeah, I mean, you, it, it, you look at the schedule, and it's just—it's awful. It's just ridiculous. It, it's not even as if they took some of the low major and the French major conference teams and scheduled them. They took the bottom of the barrel of those major conferences. I mean, <laughs> we have Iowa is playing three MEAC schools this 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 non conference. It's just I don't understand why you do that. If you're going to play somebody from, you know, the Southland or from the Big South or any of these uh, these smaller mid-majors, you think you'd want to get maybe one of the top three schools in there and, and snag those. And maybe it's something where, you know, we don't know enough about it where scheduling just didn't happen. Maybe they didn't even want to come out to Iowa. They're like, I'm not I'm not going to take the money to come out and play you guys. Very well sure. the case. We don't know that. But if that's not the case, then you know, Iowa certainly could do something. Again, I don't have a problem scheduling mid-majors, but instead of scheduling mid-majors that are the bottom of the barrel, maybe you kind of come up because right now your IPI is just getting killed. If you if you win those games, it doesn't help, but if you lose those games, you're screwed. You just completely hurt your, your resume there. Uh, right, and well, and, and they leave uh, they leave the state of Iowa once in in November and December. I mean, it's not even that they're playing terrible teams. They're, they're playing them at home. They're playing them in front of friendly crowds, and then they hit the Big Ten, and they immediately go. They play Indiana, and then they immediately go to Michigan, which is not exactly the place you want to be if you're going uh, to take in your first road game of the or second road game of the season. Yeah, I, you know, I think it look, you know you look at that beginning of that schedule in, in the Big Ten. I, I don't I don't see Iowa getting more than one win in those first seven games. Five five ranked teams in the first six. Yeah, I mean, they got, and it happened, same thing happened last year, if you remember. The Iowa came out and they had the exact same, not the exact same schedule, right. but a very brutal schedule as far as toughness to start the Big Ten last year. And the same thing happened to kind of, you know, they won a couple in the, here and there that they shouldn't have maybe. But um, it's funny because the, the, of the first five games of the season, 
I actually think that first win is going to come against Wisconsin of all teams at, at home. I, I think Iowa's actually probably the better team this year than Wisconsin, mainly because they lost Gosser and they lost uh, Mike Brzezik for a little bit. So he should be back for the, the Big Ten slate. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I think Iowa could win at Northwestern too early in the year. It's just they've had so much trouble winning on that purple court that, I don't know, I have a hard time picking Iowa over Northwestern any time they go over there. Let's let's talk a bit about this Wisconsin thing. Um, you've been a little vocal with the uh, the Bo Ryan jabs yeah. on on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, is this is this a real thing now? Are we really going to be serious rivals with Wisconsin because of the Utah thing and because of Ben Bruce? You know the thing. It's I don't think it's any secret. I don't think I'm telling anything that nobody's heard. McCaffrey and Bo Ryan do not like each other. They they just don't. I mean, people know that by now. They've seen it happen. They've seen it. They have they have a very they have a difficult relationship. We'll put it like that. They've had issues before, and uh, it's kind of stemmed over to this. So um, I think some fans feed off of that, right? And uh, they they certainly have an issue with it. I don't think it's anywhere near uh, you know an Iowa Iowa State football hate to each other or Iowa Purdue football. Most hated rival. <laughs> but it's, we have been at war with Purdue. We have always been at war with Purdue. For over a year uh, and a half now, I think. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, most hated rival status. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Is, but is this getting – will this approach the – because it has the same sort of genesis. Will this approach a, a 90s Iowa-Illinois? Okay, yeah, I, I don't think it's that bad. We don't have any anybody tapping any lines or anything and doing that, but uh, there's certainly enough, uh, uh, yeah, there's certainly enough uh, hate towards the two of the staffs and stuff that it it might spill over a little bit. But it's nothing towards that. I don't think it's going to get to the point where the fan bases go crazy to each other like that. I mean, it was really, I mean, yeah. I mean, you remember that back <laughs> in the day? But it was, it was yeah. venom. I mean, it was just sheer venom going back yeah. and forth. So loved it. Um, so. Assuming that Iowa goes, we'll say ten and two or eleven and one in the non-conference, what do they have to do in the Big Ten to get themselves into the tournament? Yeah, I think Iowa goes. I think they go eleven and two in non-conference, and I think in conference to get to the tournament, they're going to have to get the ten wins. Um, and if they don't, if they go nine and nine, um, at least two of those nine wins have to be against the top twenty-five team. They're going to have to beat um, an Ohio State, or they're going to have to beat a Michigan State, or a Michigan, or an Indiana. <clears throat> on the road or at home doesn't matter, but they're going to have to have some sort of quality win, at least two or three in conference, to, to pull them over. I think if they get ten wins, though, regardless of how poor their resume is, they're going to get in. I don't know of a team that has a winning record in a comp in the number one conference that has ever been left out of the of the NCAA tournament. I just think it's. I mean, they would be sitting with twenty one wins and ten wins in conference. That would be tough, even if their RPI is somewhere in the eighties or seventies. They're gonna have to get a, a, a big look by the by the by the um, committee, but you know if they go eleven and two and nine nine in conference and don't have any of what I would call big wins over anybody huge, they're gonna to have to win a couple in the in the Big Ten tournament to, to secure the win. Otherwise, they're probably looking at an NIT bid again this year. Let's get mad again. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, My favorite part of the Fred McCaffrey experience. Before we go, I, I have to say, when he was hired, everybody kind of went like. He looks like I think Jacoby once said he looks like a senator buying Vaughn furniture, <laughs> like he was very kind of milk toast. It was like let's get Madigan made no sense, and then he started throwing things. Yeah, right. But <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I heard about the hire, I was I was away away from home, and 
Yeah, I'd heard of him. I knew who he was, but I was just thinking, oh man, this is this is the guy that I would decided to go with. I'm like, this is not right, and I was kind of an ass about it, and then kind of let it go. And the, the, the he came up with his press conference, his introductory conference with with Iowa, and I was just like, oh, all right, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, he exuded confidence. He was he had everything, and he said everything perfect as far as what Iowa fans wanted to hear, and. It, he understood what, you know, Hawkeye fans had seen for so many years, and he was going to be the exact opposite in any way he could be. So, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. So, One last question. We we closed the season March 9th at home against Nebraska. Has there been any discussion of playing for the Heroes Trophy? <laughs> Not that I have heard of. If they did, they'd mess up the trophy, but that's a different story. If we just concede the football game, can we just play for the basketball one instead? I would I would actually take that matchup in a heartbeat. I think you would, too. So. Gotcha. Plus, it would mean I wouldn't have to watch too much more football. I'm actually wondering how many games Nebraska ball will win this year. I don't know if they're going to get over four in conference. So, who are they the worst team in the conference? Absolutely. Yeah, it's not even a question. So, I think you've got Penn State. Penn State's that much better. Well, not that much better, but yeah, they're they're definitely better. I think I think one of them wins four games, and the other guy, you know, maybe Nebraska only wins two games. I don't know, three games. But I think you know. I think Iowa probably finish the seventh, somewhere around there. But behind them, I think Northwestern and Penn State and Nebraska, and I think even Purdue probably finishes behind Iowa this year. So. You live up in the great white north. What does Tubby have to do to keep his job? I think he has to go to the tournament. I think he needs to win at least 11 games in conference. They had 23, 22 overall. They have to go to the dance. Um, that's tough for them. That's not a 23-win team right there, not in this conference. It's tough, yeah. I mean, they're going to be better than I think some people expect. Uh, back is big, but how effective he is going to be this year with coming back from that uh, injury is, is one thing. So I don't know. There's there's potential there. We'll see, though. Same thing with Illinois. You don't, I mean, if Grochi can get those guys motivated and playing, there's talent on that team, but until I until you see it, it's hard to say anything about it. Yeah. So I can see I can see Illinois winning nine games this year. I can see Illinois winning five. I can see Illinois winning 12. just depends on how they do this year. Well, they only got one against Iowa, so okay. that's one in the, in the column. Boom! <laughs> Suck on that one, Tom Fernelli. <laughs> uh, well, uh, hey, any beer recommendations before we let you go? I would say all of them. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> it depends. That, was a, that was a total slow states move to, like, pick a beer, and you made the exact right call. All of the beers. Right, exactly. That, <laughs> it's stout time, though. I mean, right now the weather's starting to turn a little bit. So, you know, go out, get some, you know, New Holland Dragon Milk or or uh, find some uh, some Yeti if you, if you can get uh, Great Divide. But um, Stone will be coming out with their Imperial uh, Russian Stout here. So I know Iowa uh, people can get that down there. So that'll be uh, that'll be the next beer to get uh, coming out from Stone. So I'll be camped out at my liquor store like it's Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Good to have you again, buddy. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you.